Do you ever avoid tough conversations? If we're honest, we all do. We try to save face, protect each other, and keep the peace, but it usually ends up biting us on the keister. Our guest today, Heather Gray, shares her story and talks about the one key conversation that can change it all around. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Hello there, family. This is Danielle and Justin. This is episode 111. And And I'm still writing 2018 instead of 2019 on everything. On your checks? You still writing checks? No, no checks. (laughs) That used to be the worst thing was the checks. And now... I don't know if we even write well, any but checks. Well, now it's, but now it's like my journal pages. It's oh. like I I had to sign some documents the other day. Like I okay. just... Are you buying me something big? Is that what you're doing? Um, I'm, I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm not going to say <laughs> anything. Okay, so I'm having a hard time shifting into like the, just the routines of the new year. Like we're back off of Christmas break. We're now back into regular life. And Regu- so... Why do you air quote it? I don't know. Because our life is anything but regular. Kind of. Normal. <laughs> We're not what you would call normal people. <laughs> well, when I went to the gym, I, I talked about on, on the Couple Goals podcast about how I've been doing really well with my health and working out and all this and that. So, Except for like the last <laughs> three weeks of 2018. When I, was re- when I was actually recording it, I wasn't yeah. really doing well, that we well. Were, so, so it's like, it's hard enough to kind of like... New Year comes and everybody yeah. wants to capture the the momentum wave and be yeah. like, okay, this is we're gonna make this the best year ever. And most people don't even remember two weeks in what they were gonna do. But yeah. it's it's tough enough. Like you want that, and we were sick for a week. We got a lot. And of And then excuses. it was the week before Christmas, and Danielle's parents got here, and we were doing fun stuff with the kids. Then it was the week okay. of Christmas, and Thank we were you. off. I appreciate. And it was like three or four weeks of. We weren't working out. We weren't doing much. We were recovering from sickness. And I appreciate else. you trying to make excuses for me. But the gist of it was I didn't work out for three weeks. I went into the gym and I left not being able to walk for the next three days. It was like a Family Guy cartoon or something. Like every every movement Danielle made had a sound effect to it. <laughs> uh, uh, it was like a Saturday uh. Night Live skit. Ow, ow. Oh, after a week... Ah. Oh, <laughs> I eek, think I'm okay. Uh, er, oh, All right. All right, honey, let's get to the show. <laughs> is oh, it, are we doing a show? Is it joy good as it oh, is yeah, to just sit there that, and, right, you know, listen right. to you and do that? But, oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's div- dive into uh, announcements and stuff, and then we'll get to the show. Um, as we've said before, our vision for Legendary Marriage is to impact 1 million couples by 2020. So here's how you can join the adventure. All right, go ahead. Share the podcast with your friends on Facebook and you can leave a review on iTunes, wherever you find your podcast stuff. We would love it. You can also join the conversation in our free Facebook community, legendarymarriage.com slash community. 
And we've got a challenge up on the website, the four by four marriage challenge. Um, it just is a four day thing. Four little things you can do with your spouse to build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. Check it out at legendarymarriage.com slash 4x4. Thank you. And now a word from our sponsors. It is the new year and so many people are talking about eating healthy and Freshly is a great way to help you do that. Freshly is uh, chef prepared, all natural gourmet meals delivered to your doorstep every week through a subscription model. It is good stuff, too. Yeah, whole natural ingredients. Every meal is packed with high-quality protein. Oh, yeah, but those muscles. Oh, yeah. Freshly meals never have gluten, refined sugars, or artificial additives. So it's the good stuff. So here's the deal. Meals arrive fresh, never frozen, ready to eat, three minutes. Go to legendarymarriage.com slash freshly to get 30% off your first month. And support the Legendary Marriage Podcast along the way. All right. Enjoy fresh, delish meals. All right. Then, of course, there is our Legendary Marriage store. Woohoo! And uh, it's an Amazon affiliate store. You can go there, do any of your Amazon shopping. Uh, We also have some curated lists of some of our favorite things and things that uh, other people have referred, uh, have told us about. Do you think people are familiar with Amazon? I don't know. If you haven't heard of it, Amazon is this little company. It's based up in like the Pacific Northwest, but and they ship stuff to you. It's really yeah. cool. Great deals. Easy, quick. You know, they deliver to your porch. All that deal. All right. So to go shopping, Amazon, get a little bit of support for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Go to legendarymarriage.com slash Amazon and get your shop on. And now... That's all we have for our announcements. I don't know what I was going to end now there. There we go. All, all right. right. So avoiding tough conversations, do you do that? Uh, yeah, we all do. <laughs> I, I think and it's interesting. We recorded this episode several weeks ago. Yeah. But it's so appropriate that we're airing it this week. Like we've been in some really deep, tough conversations about our 2019 goals and sure. projects we're working on for, for you all, for the Legendary Marriage family. Woo-hoo. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just tough conversations are a part of life. It's part of building a life together. All right. So today on the show, we have Heather Gray. So let's get to it. So we are so happy to have Heather Gray on the show today. She is clinically trained. She is a mindset and leadership coach, and she actually has her own podcast. Um, She is called Business Mindset Mastery, and she just gives her clients just the skills for combating fear, making effective decisions, um, and even managing team members when she works with um, corporations and things like that. We are loving to have her on the show today because she is um, knows a little bit about having some really hard conversations. And that's something that I feel like we all can put a little few more tools in our tool belt. Welcome to the show, Heather. So glad to have you. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. And I I think that so much about relating and connecting with people is about being willing to have those hard conversations, be it in life or in business. And it's, you know, it's the the thing that so many people avoid because they don't know how to do it. So I'm looking really forward to just talking about it and diving into that discussion and helping people kind of leave with actionable tools for how to do it better without having, you know, having to be scared about it. Oh, I love that. A woman of action. All right. So um, I want to know, so you're married. So tell us a little bit about you and your husband 
and how y'all met in the first place. Okay. So um, my husband's Damon. We've been married for nine years. So uh, next year I get to say I've been married for a decade. It makes me really happy and really proud to say that. Um, I met my husband in uh, 2003 when we were um, dating and we met online. I was the girl who said she would never online date. Um, My girlfriend saw his profile online and said, listen, I know you're not an online dater. I know you don't believe in this, but like the guy you talk about wanting to meet, this is your guy. Like, this is him. I think you should create a profile. So I did. And I reached out to him and he told me he was already dating somebody else. No, thanks. But of course, like to every girl who's been played and cheated on and tricked, you're like, wow, an honest dude who like really only wants to date one girl at a time. He became like infinitely more attractive to me in second. <laughs> that's so, so funny and you had your wing woman like I looking know. out for you she like she uh, like put him right in your lap I know here you go so um we kept in touch and at one point in time he just emailed me and said I'm looking more forward to emails I get from you than this woman I'm dating like I'd like to do this for real and we we just you know hooked up and started dating from there and it, it was wobbly and wonky as most long-term relationships are but yeah. it's uh it's a really good story Oh, that's oh, awesome. A success, good. a success. Closest friends met, have met online. Really I know fun. and are married. And yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot, like an endless amount of stories of people meeting yeah. online and finding love. Um, okay. So, so what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced in your decade of marriage? Yeah. Well, I, I think that one of the things that's really important for people listening to, to me know that like my story is a little non-traditional in terms of the type of marriage I have. Two years into my dating relationship with my husband, um, he suffered a spinal cord injury. He was on his way to work one day and was struck by a bus. He was in the crosswalk with the right of way and he was hit by a bus that wasn't looking when it made its turn. There's no delicate way to say that. I, it's always yeah. like one of those like conversation non-starters as soon as you drop that. Um, but we were we had been dating for about two years um, when that happened. We had already really started to daydream a little bit about a future together and making it permanent. And when we found out that he was going to be unable to walk, it just it shifted a lot of things. Um, some of it, I think, was really good and um, really positive for us because as a dating couple, we fought and we made up and we broke up and we split off and we stopped talking and we came back. And when life happens in a way like that, so specifically and like with a sucker punch like that, it forces two 20-somethings to grow up a little bit and to figure out what's really important to them. And I, you know, not knowing where I wanted the rest of my life to go, especially when this happened, um, I was sitting in the hospital room with him about three days after he got hurt. And at the time of his injury, he was an engineer for Gillette, the razor company. He um, made the machines that made the razors, but he had been, he had started a new career. He had started studying to become a doctor and it had always been his plan to 
make a career, his first career, something that he could make a lot of money at, save enough money so he could someday go to medical school. So in our second year of dating around 2014 or so, he had really, uh, I'm sorry, 2004. <laughs> We're calling back a decade. Um, he had started to, you know, he had started taking the post-black laureate classes and studying for, um, to become a doctor. And he had been planning on leaving Gillette. And then he got hit by the bus and, you know, everything sort of changes really quickly. He had about to become an ENT. He was no longer going to be able to do that. And it was three days post-accident. And one of his, a friend of the family or somebody was in the room. I'll, I'll never forget this. And he, she says, well, you know, I guess you're not going to be a doctor anymore, huh? And he's like, no, nope, I'm, I'm still going to be a doctor. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. And that's exactly what he did. He took a year of rehab and then went right back to getting his pre-med classes, joined um, BU Medical School, um, did all of his uh, medical training, and finally, thank God, finished last year. Um, wow. So... I, you know, in that moment of him deciding, like, I'm still going after the life I said I want, it became really clear that I'm like, well, I'm in love with that. Yeah. <laughs> that really for me, that's, that's super attractive. That's, you know, something I want in my life. I want that can-do attitude. So right when he got hurt, we just decided like he and I were going to do this together. And we didn't we didn't know if it was going to end up with marriage at the end of it, because rehab and trauma like that changes you. And it changed me. But through the past several years since his injury, I, I just think that what's happened in the story that we have and what we've, you know, sort of experienced together has just made us better individuals and stronger as a couple. You know, your your show is all about the legendary marriage. And I say, well, my legendary marriage is being married to the same person three times because I feel like we have like three different marriages and three like different periods of time of lessons learned in in all of that. And it's, you know, I'm incredibly proud of it. I I, I love him very much. It's a hard fought, hard one, but um, it's also quite the atypical story. You, you said something that stands out to me so much. It's like through the, through the course of our relationship, we've become better people individually. And I think, I think so much of what marriage is, is that. Yeah. That's what it should be, is two people calling each other forth to become more of who they were made to be. Yes, yes. I just love that you said that. And I, I, I think that I've seen that illustrated for me in spades. And the other thing too, is that I always like, I get to have like the cheat sheet too, because I'm also a clinically trained social worker. And in the time that I was, you know, dating my husband and all of this, I was doing social work and I had a private practice. I was seeing couples and, you know, I was doing couples work as a couples therapist, seeing individuals and helping them with their lives and their emotional struggles. So I kind of had like, the um the professional training and the professional identity to apply to situations but when it comes to relationships you have to be in it to get it and i think that when you are a late 20 something early 30 something your marriage looks different when it automatically includes a caregiving component um when it automatically changes 
you know, one of the things we did that I, I'm so super proud of is in 2012, when he finished uh, medical school, before he started like his internship and his graduate level of training, we went to Alaska and we had this epic two week vacation. But we did that because when we're retirement age, like we're not going to be able to go to Alaska. His body's going to like, he's not going to be as independent. He's not going to be able to do those things. So one of the things when we talk about our different marriages and our different goals and how we're a little bit different than the traditional couple, it's because we have to think about our future right now. Like we can't wait for retirement. We can't wait for what we want. We can't wait for the someday because we've seen up close, up front and center that someday never happens. But at the same time, we're fiery people who have very strong opinions, who have to learn how to navigate those conversations and have those hard conversations. And I think that couples hit breaking points and couples hit really hard stuck spots where they don't necessarily know where they're going from here, um, which is why, you know, having hard conversations is such an important thing. But like at every juncture, you get that new beginning and you end up with like that new marriage having gone through that hard time. And that's what he and I have done. I, I use th the number three kind of arbitrarily, Danielle. I don't know that I could specifically say, oh, there, this was marriage number one, this was marriage number two. But I can tell at every crossroads, we make a recommitment to doing it together. Mm. I love what you're saying about like, really, you guys ha are forced to live in the present. Yes. And, you know, I mean, it's really a truth that a lot of couples can take away, whether you yeah. have a spouse that has an injury or, or a disease or whatever. It's like, yeah, I mean... We we actually took an RV trip when our daughter was um, a year About old, a year old yeah. and for six months, we toured the country in a motor coach, and we, guess who we ran into at most of the places that we stopped? Retired couples. Yes. And I would say... We lost track of how many times people yes. said... They, they said to us, I wish we would have done this when we were younger and when we had our kids and what an amazing adventure this would have been to have the whole family together because like you said, now we're older and maybe we can't hike up the things in Yellowstone and, you know, do all the pieces of it. It's like, why not make time to do what you want to do now? Because tomorrow's not guaranteed anyway. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, too, it gives the idea that, like, you know, we get to define marriage in the way that works for us and recognizing that it doesn't have to be anyone else's different, you know, every anyone else's example of a legendary marriage, that it just has exactly. to be the marriage that works for us and that makes us happy. Um, and I think finding acceptance to that when there's always this, you know, and this is what I saw all the time as a couples therapist, there's this like picture perfect vision of the way marriage is supposed to be and the way the good couples get along and the way that people are supposed to behave. And when they don't feel that they fit into that mold, then they're suddenly automatically doing marriage differently. When the reality is, is I am one of the most emotionally intelligent people that I know, it's my superpower, but still I will lose words and slam doors. <laughs> like, right. I will, and that doesn't make me less than, it, it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't make me like less capable. It just means that every once in a while I'm going to lose my words and slam a door. And this idea that like we have to normalize 
like the way, the things that lead up to those things, how do you recover and repair from those things? And yeah. how do you make it okay so people can have these hard conversations and be honest about what's happening behind the closed doors of their own marriages? Is That's why that's so important. Yes. I, I remember when we went through our like big crisis in, in 2005, and it was the, the things that we found, we, we were like, okay, this is not how our story is going down. We're going to go figure out a way to get through this. And it was so much of the like plasticized, perfect Ken and Barbie, like be just like us. Everything's great. You know, mm-hmm. like and that it's, is it BS. It doesn't work that way. You know, one of the things I remember, um, because, you know, I was uh, so social work brain is one of the things that occurred to me was like, well, you know, I'm in my late 20s and I am saying yes to forever with a man in a wheelchair. But do I really know what I'm saying yes to? And is this really a choice uh, that my 40 year old self is going to be okay with? And we're we're still kind of struggling with communication. So I went we went and I talked my poor husband um, into this. Um, premarital like engaged couples retreat and we were given scripts <laughs> for how to talk and how to be and I was so glad that we were actually one of the healthier couples because when you've broken down and you're in that moment of crisis like having somebody else tell you the words you're supposed to be saying to apply to the feelings that you're feeling and the reactions you're having sets people up to fail on epic levels and yeah. I was glad that we we were at least getting along so I could turn to him and be like, honey, don't worry. We're not going to be doing this. <laughs> I was to say, when you were just describing that, my anxiety was like going up and up and up. And I'm like, oh, wait, what's the script? I don't, I don't know what the script is. <laughs> right. Rather than what's an awareness of relationship basics and what's an awareness of good communication strategies and how do you talk so that your person will listen? Not so everyone will listen because that's the other thing is so much of this communication stuff that's taught couples is so generic you can't apply it to your individual relationship but how can you use what you know about the person you married to communicate more effectively that's the stuff that's completely missing from half of the relationship help books out there which is you know why so many people just end up feeling like failures yeah yeah is that why you shifted from um more your work with couples to more the mindset work that you do now I, I think that has a lot to do with it, Danielle. I think that, you know, I I had my graduate um, in social work. I got my MSW, so my master's in social work, I got it in 99. Um, and I gave it a good 15 years. I worked in corporate for a while as a program director for an adolescent treatment facility. And then I had 10 years in private practice. And one of the things that really came more crystal clear to me in the course of private practice when you're working with high functioning adults who just need a good skill set is that the therapy industry puts a lot of rules and expectations on the couple's therapist for how they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to move through the world and the things they're supposed to teach. That like when people talk about couples therapy not working, the emphasis, you will always hear the statistic is that couples come seven years too late is like the go, I don't know, that number since I've left the field might have since gone up, but that's the number that at the time couples therapists sort of like were counting about. 
And I think it gives couples therapists a get out of jail free card of, you know, absolving themselves of responsibility in a way, rather than saying like, we are not effectively arming our couples helpers with the skills that we need to apply in today's time and place to help couples. And I always felt like, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is I saw 27 to 31 people or couples a week when I was a private therapist. And in 10 years, only five of my clients ever knew that my husband was in a wheelchair because it's against the therapy rules to disclose. There's all this like, you know, jargon about it has to be about the client. It can't be about you and transference and counter-transference and don't say this and don't say that. So it painted me into a corner. And I found so often with couples sitting in front of me, I wasn't saying what I really thought. And if I'm not saying what I really think, I'm not really helping because I'm really good at what I do. But I, it was like doing it with one arm tied behind my back. Right. And suddenly moving out of the therapy realm um, and moving into the coaching and the consulting space, um, it's, you know, love it or hate it, it's less regulated, right? So yeah. you get to define your own rules. And, and I, I struggle with that sometimes. I struggle with the idea that an 18-year-old can come online and say, hey, I'm a life coach with no actual yeah. life experience. It, like, it pains me a little bit when I think about all of the training I've had. Um, but it does let me define the work I want to do. But what ended up happening is I, I just, I, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I needed a total fresh start um, because I just got so burned out from the mental health aspect of it that I, I really needed to change the kinds of conversations I was having with people. But I really do believe if I moved through the world as a private therapist, the way I moved through the world as a mindset consultant, I never would have burned out. I would still have, I, I wouldn't still have that business because it was a brick and mortar business in Massachusetts and I have an online business living in California. So a lot has changed, but I would still be a therapist if I could have done it the way I always wanted to. It's what I love about the the coaching modality is that it that it, it's it's relational and it's it's all in service of the client, and it, there is opportunity for our stories to be to be leveraged and to be powerful and for us to receive as well as coaches as transformational workers. So, and you know what, I feel like there's a big overlap too between couples and I know you mostly work with mindset with business owners, but just people. I mean, you don't even have to be well, married. There it's are... relationship stuff. It's yeah. relationship systems. So, so whether it's a marriage or a team at work, the, the, the core stuff is the same. Stay tuned for more of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. All right. So all of December, we gave away 60-minute breakthrough coaching sessions, and it was a blast. We got to talk with some amazing couples who are fighting together to build legendary marriages. Yeah, it was so much fun. We decided we're just going to keep doing it. Let's do it. Coaching has changed our lives and our marriage, and we went through a crisis in 2005. We didn't know if we would make it. Like, obviously, we did, and coaching's a big part of why we're still here. And, mm-hmm. and it became such a big part that we're both coaches now. And 10 years have gone by, uh, more than 10 years have gone by, and all kinds of trials and challenges. And yet our marriage has never been stronger. High and, five, babe. Yeah, high five. Boop. So maybe you're like we were 
Uh, maybe you're in a really tough season. Maybe you're not sure how to find a way through it together. Maybe you're doing okay, but just feel like something's missing. Maybe it's something about the relationship. Maybe it's just something in your own piece of life. Why not take an hour to get some clarity, create a plan to build a life, a love, and a legacy together. Just head over to legendarymarriage.com coaching and schedule your free breakthrough session today. All right. So whether you're feeling that weariness um, or you just want to get a jump on 2019 goals, we'll give you a sounding board and get you radically clear about what's important. So wherever you're at, whatever you're up to, we want to help. No strings attached. We won't be trying to sell anything. We'll simply help you identify and process that thing that might be having you feeling stuck. And we'll get you a clear strategy to take action to get you where you want to go. So let legendarymarriage.com slash coaching to claim your free 60 minute breakthrough coaching session and today. make 2019 the best year ever make it legendary yes legendary and now back to our show this is a word that i feel like we use quite a bit is like you want to be authentic and you want to bring your your best self and you know all this but the truth of it is is that if you are able to do that in your relationship, whatever relationship it is, you have to be able to have tough conversations. And I know on this podcast, we always say have conversations that matter. And um, it's not just the bills and the chores and all that stuff. Those conversations matter. Yeah. yeah, not the only conversations that matter. Well, yeah. Sometimes we can just get stuck in the same conversations. And then there are certain conversations that we just know we don't go there or, or, you know, we'd like to have it, but we're nervous about what the repercussions would be or whatever. What are some of those tough conversations that people just kind of avoid having. Yes. It's the number one conversation. I'll tell you, there's a single solitary conversation that if every couple made a commitment to having, they would fight less down the line. And it's the wants versus needs conversation. So often, and so often people struggle with so the missing piece to a lot of marital issues is self-awareness. People as individuals in the relationship are not self-aware of who they are, how they move through the world, and what sets them up for success. So before you have a conversation with your spouse, your partner, your dating person, your other person, your significant other, fill in the blank, it starts with a conversation with yourself. Who am I? How do I move through the world? And what do I want my life and my, my, my life and my marriage and my, you know, partnership to look like? And it becomes, what do I need in order to be my best self in that relationship? So it's, you know, I, it's knowing it's, you know, we all yammer on about love languages, right? So it's knowing your love language, knowing how you, like, you need to hear feedback, knowing all of these things internally, and then being willing to put it out there to your partner. So the example I always give, and uh, my poor husband, I don't know that he knows that I always give this example inside the couples therapy room, is that when we were dating- You should know he's fair game by now. I know. know. (laughs) Um, But now that I talk business on podcasts, he usually thinks he's the exception to the rule. But um, when we were dating, the thing we always fought about was I was Miss Independent and he was Mr. 
aren't we going to check in a couple of times a day or aren't I going to know how your day is going? And the thing that we would always fight about is I would want to go to with, out with my girlfriends and I'd be like, I'm going to go to the mall. I'm looking for jeans. So I'll, I'll see you later. And he's like, well, when am I going to hear from you? And I'd be like, well, what do you mean when I'm going to hear from you? If I go to the gap and I find the right pair of jeans right away, I'm going to be done in an hour. But if I don't, I have to go all three floors of the mall. It's going to be a while. And he would want me to check in. And Miss Independent would be like, what are you talking about? I'll just catch up with you at the end of the day. Because I never had a guy in my life, quite frankly, who cared. Like who actually was like, I kind of want to talk to you every day. And so what we ended up figuring out because he was dating a therapist at the time is that like his like biological family experience was that like he was a child of divorce and he was left a lot of times sort of waiting and feeling forgotten and left behind and less important. So every single time I go out with my girlfriends, I'm thinking I'm going to see him and tell him all about my day and tell him all about the stories and we're going to hook up and it's going to be fine. And he's thinking like, she's not thinking about me. I've just become forgotten. So one of his needs in a relationship is he needs regular, consistent contact. He has to know that. And as his partner, regardless if I agree, regardless if I need it myself, regardless if I even, you know, want it myself, because I'm choosing to be in a relationship with him, I have to be willing to meet that need. So the core conversation that couples are forgetting to have and they skip is the super uncomfortable conversation of this is what I need to be my best self. Are you willing to meet that need? Yes. And saying it out loud and having the other partner say yes. Because what happens is, well, of course we love each other. We're going to be together forever. And this about you, this thing that really kind of annoys you, it's it's going to change. I can tell you 10 plus years, my husband still wants to check in. He knows I always come home. He knows that I always miss him. But he's always going to want to hear from me because that's his way of connecting. As his partner, I have to be willing to meet that need. But I think what ends up happening is we avoid having the needs conversation. So then what ends up happening is you don't have that conversation, but you end up in some stupid fight about something else because the core need has gone unmet. And then people are reacting from that. But if you start your marriage or start your dating relationship or stop and freeze your marriage or dating relationship to have the needs conversation in order to be my best self, this is what I've identified I need. Are you willing to it? Then you get that. Yes, you feel taken care of and it sets the relationship up for way more success. Yes. And you, you hinted at this earlier when you talking about emotional intelligence, like you have to know what the things are that you need. Yeah. Before you tell somebody else, it's just a matter of doing the work. Yes. Doing your work to understand what's going on in your head and your heart and what shapes, what experiences have shaped that so that you can ask for what you need, ask for what you want. Yeah. And I love your example of like just checking in while you're out shopping because it's like, maybe he thinks... Damon and I are are, are two kindred spirits. I know. I was like, I can totally resonate with Heather on that one. Like when you see the jeans, that's when I'm done. That's when you will see me in my new jeans. Like, I don't know what time that is. I have that, that for lack of a better term, and, I, and I'm not going to go into any of the backstory or anything, but uh, abandonment, kind of a fear. 
<laughs> and and so I, I like I share that that perspective of like I I need the the connection the physical emotional conversational relational connection with people that are important in my life. Like there's, I've got a couple of friends in my life right now who I haven't talked to in, in, I don't even know how long. And it's just like, it's a gaping wound to Mm me. Yes. But it's probably not personal, but it feels that way to you. Yeah. And I have to remind myself, but. And then, you know, and then it becomes like, you know, as any relationship, is it gaping enough for you to approach the person and say like, Hey, like, this is super hard and we don't usually have these kind of conversations, but I got to tell you, you and I have not really connected in eight months and things feel different in me and in my life as a result of that. And like, I'm wondering if you would be interested in spending some time and reconnecting like that's so vulnerable. It's like vomit inducing vulnerable. It's like throw up in your mouth vulnerable, but it's gaping wound or finding out the answer and dealing with whatever you figure out from it. Yeah. You know what? You bring up an interesting point when you said, so ask for what you need. So why do you think so many people stop shy of just asking for what they need? So let's why say- Why should I have to ask? You should just know. I, I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a little bit of that, but I actually think they're so afraid of hearing no. So what ends up happening is that like admitting that you need your girlfriend to check in with you kind of feels weak. It feels vulnerable. It feels like it makes you small. It doesn't go with the traditional picture of the way it should be. Um, Whatever story you create to whatever it is you need, you know, it's this idea that um, it, it just feels gross to say out loud. And you're so afraid that somebody's going to say some of the things that I said when we were dating. Right. Because yeah. suddenly I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're controlling. Like I, like, I'm not like, you don't have, like, you don't get to tell me what to do and how to spend my time. So he's coming at me with a vulnerable need and I'm basically calling him an a-hole and yeah. I'm saying like, Like, what do you, what's wrong with you? Like, what do you mean you can't go six to eight hours without talking to me? You should be able to do that. That's why people don't do it, Danielle. Yeah. Somebody's going to say that to them or they're in their worst case. You're you're not worth me meeting your need. Exactly. They're so, because then what do you do when you put it out there as the non-negotiable? What do you do? Well, and if somebody says no, like if, if we're using the instance with your shopping, like if, if your husband said, you know, Heather, could you please, um, check in with me every 30 minutes while you're shopping? And you're like, like that feels a little excessive, like every 30 minutes. Like, well, I was going to say the other, the other side of it is, is kind of, uh, the controlling, not an unhealthy per, uh, relationship with our need feels like it manifests as controlling. Yes. Yes. And I think that what ends up happening is, so say we go with the, like the, the actual example of somebody who has so many like tied melted in issues that they really do need to check in every 30 minutes. We can universally agree that that's kind of too much and that that's not the spirit of the need, but let's, because it's so unrealistic to ask of somebody, let's use that as the example because it can help everybody feel safe having the conversation. 
So then it ends up being like, okay, so you need me to check in every 30 minutes. Like that amount of contact feels stifling for me, feels really like I, I am not allowed to think of anything but you because I'll constantly be watching my clock to see how am I going to get to you. I mean, the best possible thing that ever got invented for me was text messaging because yep. then checking in could happen. Like when, no I, shopping. when I started this, I was on a pay phone for crying out loud. Oh, <laughs> like dating myself and I feel like there can be like a back and forth too like if you really understand his need to feel connected to you you know maybe there's a different option like yes well because then you understand the spirit of it so you can end up saying I am like I have to tell you honey like I I recognize you want to talk to me all all day every day that doesn't really work for me. It makes me feel stifled. It makes me feel uncomfortable, but I don't want you to feel unforgotten. So this is what I'm willing to do. Like, I'm just going to send you a little text message every, you know, like whatever, like, or I can't do. You can stalk me on find my friend. You can follow my credit card statements. You can. (laughs) Okay. Easy. But but like, but the idea being like, if I know the spirit of this is that you want to be thought of, then I promise you, I I will let you know that you're being thought of. And again, let's all agree that every 30 minutes is absurd, but it's like, we're all going to hear someone's need that in that moment is going to feel absurd. That's what we're all reacting to because it's going to challenge our own story. It's sometimes going to challenge our ability to feel like, how can we function in this relationship? What if I can't meet the need? Yeah. So my favorite, favorite couple phrase is, are you willing Because then you don't have to agree. You don't have to understand. You don't even have to like it. You just have to be willing to do it. And then the most magical thing happens is when somebody says, I'm willing, then it's, I'm taken care of. My needs matter. I'm being heard. I'm being listened to, which then makes it so I'll take care of your needs. But so often the hard conversation is an avoidance of, of what the needs and the wants are. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this. There just a couple things pop up around around it. Like one can be the I, I see couples get to this kind of transactional place. Like, okay, so I know that if I want this, I gotta do this. Like she'll say, Oh, you know, I know that that if I want to be able to do this, then I gotta we gotta have sex or and so transacting those things or is one piece of it, or like the we touched on it but like the the really i don't know how to describe it other than to to basically label it and judge it as unhealthy but mm-hmm. to go like if danielle goes okay i need in order to feel loved i need to have have sex with you four times a day i'm gonna go mm-hmm. uh right. I, i'm only one man I, yes. <laughs> I mean if that's all with me that's that's just not gonna work because you know i've got a job i got right. things to do and it, then it becomes the at the level that you need my time and attention I'm not able to do that. So then, Danielle, you can negotiate your need. You can figure this out. Or we are going to have to come up with some kind of agreement. Because I don't think that what we're... I I don't want couples listening to this show today to think that, you know, what we're really talking about are these wackadoo needs and the exceptions to every rule. That what we're talking about is what do you need to feel heard, understood, nurtured, loved, cared for, seen, respected? Like, what do you need to know 
that you matter in this world and in this relationship. And so the average person isn't coming at you with sex four times a week and check-ins yeah. every 30 minutes. The average person is like, are you going to talk to me about something other than the chore list? Are we going to be able to have a conversation that doesn't exist around the kids? Are we going to be able to go to dinner in 15 years and still have something to talk about? Like, the, the when you said this, it started a reaction in me. And can we talk about it? Like the regular everyday down and dirty. How do you have those conversations? My story is, is that if we can, every interaction we have, if we're informing ourselves based on how we know our partner moves through the world and what it is they need, then we're setting that whole um, interaction of whatever comes next up for success. I like that. When you said the words, like, I am willing, like you said, as the hearer of those words, like that feels really affirming and loving, like that your partner is willing to try something in order to love you well. And I'm wondering as the person that's going to try that, like, let's assume we've landed on something where, okay, I'm going to check in a couple of times while I'm shopping. How do you be willing, but not have it build resentment towards like, okay, so now I'm doing this ridiculous thing for you that makes no sense to me, but I'm going to do it because I love you. Okay. Because here's the thing is you don't want your husband to feel abandoned. You may not agree that you need to check in. You may not agree that like you need this, that, and the other thing. But at the end of the day, I don't want my husband to think I've forgotten about him just because I've gone off for the day with a girlfriend. I don't want him feeling that way. And if he's identifying for me that that's what it feels like when I leave without checking in, then as like somebody who's made a commitment to him and meeting his needs, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. And if I'm unwilling to do it, then the couples have to negotiate that. But I don't think saying yes to something and then being secretly resentful is the way. And I think the way you avoid resentment is to make darn sure that when you say, yes, I'm willing to do that, you're making also sure that the needs you're bringing to the table are also you know, kind of met. Like one of the things that my husband's really been, you know, sort of challenged with in being in relationship with me is the number of times I've changed my career since we've met. Like I keep changing like what I want to do and who I want to do. And I had a full and thriving private practice when I came home after just one epic, horrible day. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's sucking my soul. And he's like, well, then we got to figure out what's going to make you happy. Like, so am I going to call him and check in? Absolutely. I'm going to, because like, he doesn't want me to be unhappy at work and he's willing to do this. Am I going to make sure that like, I, you know, do X, Y, and Z? Yes. Because if we're moving through the world with an awareness of what the other person needs and we're meeting those needs, we're avoiding all of those hard conversations. What's where you get stuck is what you were talking about, Danielle, is how do you do it without resentment? You don't agree to it if you're going to be resentful of it. If it's really something in your bones that you're like, oh my God, this is going to make me crazy, then you can't say yes to it. And the, one of the biggest mistakes I made in the dating relationship is saying yes, because I wanted to be the super supportive, empathic, validating, whatever you want to call it, girlfriend. But I was like setting my teeth when I was like, yeah, I'm just calling to check in because it wasn't genuine. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like I should never have done it. I should have said 
listen, this isn't the way I move through the world. If you are needing that amount of attention from me, like, then I don't know that I'm your girl. Mm. Like, and that's what we're all avoiding saying here. It's the idea that the needs conversation is if I am not willing to do that, then I am telling you I'm not your right. I'm not the girl for you. And recognizing that who we are and what we need when we're in our late 20s is going to change radically when we're in our 40s is going to like we have to grow and change, which is why I said, you know, my husband and I are like on our third marriage to the same person because we keep growing and changing and the things that are important to us shift and you have to be willing to hear that. I think the uh, yes to all that. And I think the the other thing that you're pointing at is like if if. If Danielle says, I have this need and, I've, and I'm going, I, like, I can't, I'm not willing or I can't do that, then one, it forces us to look at the relationship and, and start to redesign there. But it also forces us individually to look at, at what is my relationship with that need mm-hmm. and, and what's behind it? Mm-hmm. Is, is there brilliance there? Is there shadow there? Is there what all is in it? Because... Uh, it may or may not be coming from a healthy place. And, yes. I, and, I, and I just think our job, our job as spouses is to empower rather than enable. And I think so often sometimes when people like draw a line in the sand and they get really specific on, I need you to do this. If you were unwilling to do that, I don't know if we're going to last. So much of that isn't that single solitary thing. That's just the thing that they put the stake in the ground on. Underneath that stake is a pile of uh, unmet needs for a really long time. And they've just decided this is the thing they're going to hang their hat on rather than, you know, I haven't felt seen heard, appreciated, understood in this relationship for a really long time. And I need that to change. Yeah. So just in wrapping up, what would you say is the question or set of questions that, that couples need to ask each other in order to get this conversation going? Sure. So the first thing is I challenge all couples as individuals to get really clear on like, when are you happiest in your relationship? When are your needs getting met? What does it feel like? What is your partner doing? What is your spouse doing? And do that work individually. And then you go to each other and you say, you know what? I feel the most loved, seen, cared for, respected, and happy and excited about our relationship when these things exist. I feel the most abandoned, forgotten, disrespected, disregarded when I don't have these. If we were going to be healthy and happy together, I am wondering if you would be willing to meet those needs. And then you listen to your spouse in response, say yes or no, and then say, how do we do this? Because the issue is, is that, and this is the skill set I teach business owners and couples all the time, is that once we get crystal clear on the destination, we want Justin to feel like super seen, respected and cared for and remembered and thought of. We want Danielle to feel like she can leave for the day and feel independent and feel like she can have time with her girlfriends without feeling bad about forgetting about her husband for 10 seconds. Then how are we gonna do that? We are gonna enter that into the GPS and we're gonna say we need to do that, but we have to avoid this toll and we have to avoid this highway and we're going to, and this is how we're going to get there. Given what the non-negotiables are, how are we going to get there? Because I get, I walk people through like getting crystal clear on what it is you want and need, knowing what your non-negotiables are, what you're not willing to give up, what you're not willing to do, what you're not willing to bend on, 
And then you enter that destination into the GPS and you decide how you're going to get there. So how are we going to get it so that you feel independent and he feels seen and cared for without you feeling compromised and without him feeling X, Y, and Z? We're going to enter it in. And then the two of you get to plan that route together based on your respective needs. I love it too, because it's like, it's like, it's like orienteering. Yes. Yes. You take a couple and you drop them in the woods of Alaska with nothing Uh, but a compass, a piece of string and a paper clip. I used to say to couples, I used to say to couples, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Like you're going the wrong way. You may be heading to this simple destination, but like you're going to get lost. It's like, nope, nope, nope. And be okay with the work that it takes. Yes. Yes. Like um, we're speaking right now to one specific need set. But in reality, there's lots of different ones. Like we're focusing in on him not feeling abandoned and me feeling independent. Well, in the reality, there's 20 more conversations that need to be entered into the GPS which is, as which well. Which is actually so funny because I think those are really that kind of the core, like the top. Yeah, top I think things. Heather looked and into we just our kind eyes, of stumbled into that, and she was like, "That is what they deal with," <laughs> and I will tell them on the podcast. <laughs> that's why. That's why she's good at what she does. Yeah. That's why. Okay, so in wrapping up here, I know that our listeners are just falling in love with Heather Gray and. Yeah. All she's doing. Um, so Heather, what is the best way for our people to find you and what you're doing? Yeah. So um, I, I think that anybody who's looking to figure out how to have the hard conversations, um, I think you'll get some really good scripts over at my podcast. It's a business mindset podcast. So it, it's a little non-traditional. It's like the backdoor entry for relationship work, but it, it really all often comes down to how do you say what you mean, mean what you say and get your desired result. And how do you get really clear on what it is you want and find your way to there? So my podcast is business mindset mindset mastery. Um, and I mostly work with business owners right now who are looking to move the needle in their business by making important decisions that they kind of get stuck on or tripped up on. But that doesn't mean I forget my therapy roots. And I think a lot of times um, when traditional therapy hasn't worked for people and they they need that outside perspective, like sometimes I can, I can throw my hat in the arena and be like, well, I used to be a shrink and now I know about this. So can we combine these? to and you're like now I'm a renegade (laughs) I threw the rules out the window the best thing ever I was getting written up at the time oh my gosh Heather I but I was called a rogue therapist oh yes I was like, you get me. You really get me. I know. Like, I'm yes. putting that on my business card. That, that's I, like an identity statement. It was like the best thing. I almost like, I had so many versions when I was just um, choosing my online business brand. It was going to be like going rogue or rogue this. Like I was going to own yeah. it as my brand, but it didn't last. I'm sure you'd have a lot of therapists on that uh, bandwagon <laughs> with you. I'm sure a lot of them already throw that out the window. All right. And also um, choose to have it all.com. Yeah. That's, that's the best way to find me. All right, Heather. It was a joy oh. having you on the show. Thanks oh, so thank much, Thank you so Heather. much, guys. I really appreciate the conversation. Okay, so I love how we're given permission to do the back and forth thing because I feel like sometimes your needs are really a lot. And my needs are really a lot. But I love how here Heather brings up the point is like, go back and forth until you're like aligned on the same road together. Yeah. You notice what she did not say. 
she did not say compromise and just yeah. blindly go with what the other person said. Which is interesting because we had that conversation going on in the Facebook group this week yeah. about compromise. And it was uh, a mixed bag. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely a mixed bag. And um, there's such a fine line between giving somebody like giving you what you really need. But sometimes I think she pointed this out when we went to the like drastic, like you need to check it every 30 minutes is like, sometimes you think you have a need, but it's not necessarily the most healthiest thing. And so if you, if you go back and forth and then you can kind of get together on like, what is going to fill the need and what's going to work for both yeah. of you and what can honor the relationship. But it does take a lot of back and forth. Yeah. And, and I think it's like we confuse needs with, with wants. Right. With desires with, that are, and where are they coming from? Is it coming from a good, healthy place? Is exactly. Is it coming from uh, a wounding? Is it coming from some insecurity? And the beautiful part of marriage is that as we navigate through those things, we have these opportunities to to see those those places that need healing and restoration and to speak life and encouragement sure. and call each other forth in them. I love it. So now the talk about it segment of the and show. And now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a conversation <laughs> time that, oh, I screwed that up. You get what I'm talking about, though. Have a conversation. That matters. Okay, wow. This is new year is not starting off too great, but here's your conversation starter. Okay, when are you the happiest in your relationship or your needs are being met? That was actually a question that Heather posed in the episode. I think it's a great one um, to break down. When are you happiest with your spouse? Yeah. Needs to be met. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. All right. That's all for today's show. So as always, we're talking about the hot topics from the podcast and so much more in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash one, one, one. <laughs> Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us and join the family. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you. Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.